Hey, Ellie Krug, Ellie 2.0 Radio on lovely AM 950, talking to you from the bunker in Eden Prairie. How are you? Happy, happy Saturday. Welcome back to Ellie 2.0 Radio for another great show. And I need not tell you this, um, but it's the last show in August. Yes, <laughs> the summer is drawing to a close here in Minnesota. Well, everywhere. But here in Minnesota in particular, because we could quite literally, and I know that I'm going to depress my producer, Brett, the wonderful Brett Johnson here, but we could quite literally have snow on the ground here in Minnesota in less than two months. Ugh, double ugh. Okay. All right. Get past that, Ellie. All right. Well, on to much more pleasant things like today's show. You may recall that earlier this month, our featured idealist was the grassroots suburban mother mom-oriented organization out of Cleveland, Red, Wine, and Blue. Well, thanks again to my extra- the extraordinary legwork of our extraordinary producer, Brett Johnson. The big interview is with a representative of Red, Wine, and Blue. Trust me, you will not want to miss that interview. Okay, and of course, at the tail end of the show is always my C-block, where I'll talk about my work as an idealist, talk a little bit about what's going on in America right now as it relates to my community, transgender people. But as we always do, okay, you know this, we begin this week's show by highlighting our featured idealist. And this week, that person is David Hogg, the very vocal and strident anti-gun violence advocate who survived the horrific shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School on Valentine's Day in 2018. Now, most of us can remember that shooting in Parkland, Florida in particular. I, I, I just hate saying this. I really do. 17 people were murdered that day, along with another 17 who were wounded. David Hogg, then a senior at the high school, hid in a classroom closet with others. Originally, he and his classmates had headed down the hallway to leave the building because the gunman had pulled a fire alarm and no one knew that the gunman was there. However, a custodian who knew who had seen the gunman directed Hogg and his classmates uh, away from the route that they were taken. And then, and then Hogg and his classmates were actually herded in, into a closet where they, um, where they heard the shooting. And as the shooting was ongoing, David Hogg used his phone to record the scene in real time. But he was also texting with his younger sister, who was a freshman at the high school at the time, and who was also hiding from the gunman. Now, please, just for a second, I want to pause here and ask you to consider the terror. That is the right word that David and others experienced at Marjorie Stoneham Douglas High School that day. Think of the trauma, uh, like the ongoing trauma, of how those minutes that David and others were were confined to the closet for over an hour, and think about the, the trauma that comes from that. It took an hour before the SWAT officers gave them the all clear. And as we have heard so many times from interviews of featured idealists, after one's often, Ellie, read the script, often one's idealism, one, one's desire to change the world is born out of horrible tragedy and trauma. It happens time and again. And I think such was the case with David Hogg. As you may also recall, within days of the shooting, 
David and his classmates organized several gun control rallies, some in Florida, another in Washington, D.C. And at those rallies, David and his classmates blamed the National Rifle Association and the politicians to which the NRA contributes as being complicit in school shootings across America. And as to make his point even further, um, you may recall that then-President Trump, I hate actually saying that phrase, okay, um, that he, uh, he had the students from Marjorie Stoneham Douglas High School come to Washington. David Hogg said, I'm not doing that. He said uh, if, uh, if Trump uh, wanted to talk with him and the students, uh, Trump could make the effort to go to Parkland. Great point. Quickly, David Hogg and his classmates became targets by the pro-gun uh, right. For example, a Maine politician named Leslie Gibson, running unopposed for the Maine House of Representatives, called David Hogg a, quote, bald-faced fla- bald liar and called a classmate, ex Gonzalez, a skinhead lesbian. This is a guy that running for the Maine House, uh, you know, beating up on kids. I mean, literally, okay? In response, David called on Maine voters to find someone to challenge Gibson. And you know what? That actually happened, <laughs> resulting in Gibson dropping out of the race after attacking David Hogg. I mean, He was 17 or 18 years old at the time. Again, um, you know, can you imagine being that young and and realizing that your words, your words could motivate people in such a way that it can change the course of somebody's political career? By April 2018, just two months after the shooting, David began to press then-Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, you may remember Paul, to introduce a bill requiring mandatory background checks for gun buyers. We all know uh, where that went, okay? Hogg and his classmates, David and his classmates, organized a March for Our Lives in D.C., and by May of 2018, he and others had organized in at a Publix supermarket. Publix must be the big chain in Florida. At a Publix supermarket because the food chain had given close to $700,000 to a pro-gun candidate for Florida's governorship. David also called for a boycott of Publix. (laughs) Again, he's 17 or 18 years old, okay? Um, Actually, at that point, he is 18 years old. I just looked at his date of birth. And you know what? Ultimately... Publix caved in and withdrew its support for that candidate for governorship of Florida. (laughs) Another boycott David organized was of Laura Ingraham. Ingraham, you know her. Her show on Fox News. She had attacked him in in a tweet about David not being accepted to colleges. Hold on, I'll give you something about that in a second. David, David called for a boycott of Laura Ingraham's show, and it resulted in, get this, 24 advertisers leaving her show. And it even had Ingraham apologizing to David, but it was an apology. This kid has the guts of what we need. This kid, David, did not accept uh, Ingraham's apology because he didn't feel to be secure, sincere, okay? But by the way, just so you know, all right, David Hogg eventually later on, got into Harvard, (laughs) from which he graduated 
a couple of months ago, in, this, in May of 2023. And just two weeks ago, all right? I mean, David Hogg, is, he's just getting started. Just two weeks ago, David Hogg launched a pack named Leaders We Deserve, which is aimed at supporting and promoting candidates who are under the age of 35 for federal office and candidates who are under the age of 30 for statewide office. And on, uh, and on that advisory board, the advisory board for the PAC leaders we deserve is Maxwell Frost, who you may recall is the very first Gen Z member uh, to be elected to Congress. Um, <laughs> so there is much to look forward to with David Hogg. A whole lot. I mean... Way back in August of 2018, okay, so five year, more than five years ago, David Hogg announced that he would run for the U.S. House when he turns 25. He's got two more years to go. And I'm absolutely positive that he will do that. But you know what? Who knows? Maybe someday he'll run for president of the United States. We'll need to wait another 12 years because um, uh, you've got to be 35 years old to be eligible for the presidency under the Constitution. Okay, well, that is the featured idealist for this week. Coming up is the big interview uh, with Jen Perez of Ren Red Wine and Blue. You're going to love hearing from her. You're going to love hearing. Remember, a couple, two or three weeks ago, I they were my featured idealist, and I talked about the work they were doing in Ohio to defeat question one. You're going to love hearing more about what Red Wine and Blue is doing in Ohio and in other states. And remember, it's Suburban Moms. So, all right, when we take our break, we're going to take our, well, we are going to take our break. When I come back, we'll do the big interview. Remember, you're listening to me, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Hey, uh, well, I'll tell you about that in the C block. And, okay, follow me. I'm still on Twitter. I am at Ellie Krug because, as I was just talking to Brett before we started, notwithstanding everything that Elon Musk does and says, it's still the best platform to stay on top, on top of what things are happening. Okay, we'll be back in a minute. Thanks. And we're back. Ellie 2.0 Radio. So as I said... Check out David Hogg. Put that name into your memory bank because you will continue to hear his name. Guarantee it. And now I've got a new name for you. I've got Jen Perez on the line here. Jen is here from Red Wine and Blue. She is the Ohio Program Director, a position she's held for a year. Jen, welcome to Ellie 2.0 Radio. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. Now, um, as I related before we started going, you know, the way this show works is I always uh, have a segment where I highlight, I call it my featured idealist. Then we do the interview and then I talk about my work in the last, call the, I call it the C block. Well, about three weeks ago, um, after, you know, the wonderful result on, you know, issue one, I highlighted red, wine, and blue. And, uh, and Brett was so impressed by my presentation, uh, he said, well, I'm going to try and get them on the line so you can interview. And so I had off to my 
wonderful producer. Jen, tell us a little bit, okay? Remind my listeners, what is Red Wine and Blue? Give us a little bit of the history about how it got started. And then I absolutely want to talk about what you've done. And, and I understand that something is going on like as we speak right now because, you know, the Republicans in Ohio did something yesterday. So go ahead. Yeah. So much going on in Ohio right now. Um, so Red Wine and Blue is a grassroots organization that was founded right here in Ohio. Um, our founder, Katie Paris, is a suburban mom who lives up in the Cleveland area and started this group back in the fall of 2019, shortly after the 2018 midterms. And I think Katie, like many moms around that time, you know, it was just feeling some personal responsibility to say, how can we mobilize suburban moms, suburban women um, to get out and do their part and start talking to their friends about politics and just really making sure that suburban women are showing up in elections. Um, So since then we've grown, we're a nationwide organization. We have about a half a million members across the country. Holy cow. (laughs) Yes. And we have dedicated year-round staff in five states. So Ohio, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Virginia was just added to our team um, recently. Notably battleground states. Um, Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you have a, just so I know, I mean, uh, do you have a presence in Minnesota? Um, We don't have staff in Minnesota, but we do have some, we have a nationwide Facebook group that has Minnesotans in it. Okay, okay. And I think there might even be a Minnesota-specific Facebook group. We do have some Facebook groups in various states. Okay. All right. Well, listeners, you can check that out on Facebook. I'm just going to also tell you, go devote the resources somewhere else, okay? I mean, we're like blue on top of blue here in Minnesota. And, you know, so go, you go do what you need to do. Yeah, we tend to have, you know, people asking for us to form staff in Florida, Texas, (laughs) you know, some, yeah, not Minnesota. Yeah, 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 no, I mean, don't, don't get me started on Florida. Okay, so uh, my listeners will hear that after this interview. (laughs) Um, So, Jen, um, what brought you, you know, what got you on my radar, and I will also say nationally, because, I mean, one somebody from the organization was on Rachel Maddow. Okay, I mean, yes. you make it on Okay, Katie okay, you She's make so it good. on. Yeah, you make it on to Rachel. You have made it. Okay, all right. And so yeah. that was, you know, the the issue one. Tell us a little bit about issue one. How did you fight it? And now you got now you got like a reprise of issue one coming up. I mean, I know they're not calling it that, but go ahead. Yeah. So I have to kind of back up almost to a year ago. So in our lame duck session at the end of 2022 this is in ohio um, this is in ohio in ohio okay yes. go ahead um, our state house proposed changing how our citizen-led ballot initiative process works so we are one of you know a few states that have the opportunity for citizens to amend our state constitution um the state house knew that there was work with grassroots coalitions to put reproductive rights onto the ballot and to, you know, take advantage of this citizen-led ballot initiative. So starting in our lame deck session last winter, they wanted to change how our citizen-led ballot initiative process works. Um, And from then there were demonstrations, we were at the state house, 
you know, protesting to say we want we want our rights to maintain how they have been. So well, they can I can I interrupt you? I'm, I'm interrupting yeah. you. Sorry, but yeah. what they really wanted to do is they wanted to change the threshold for yeah. citizens-led ballot initiatives from 50%, which it currently is in Ohio, to 60%. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Go ahead. I just want to make sure to remind my listeners. Go ahead. Yes. There were a bunch of other changes too about the signature process, but the big thing was moving that threshold. It did not get through lame dunk, duck. It came back when our state house was back in session in the spring. Um, and long story short, on May 10th, they passed that they wanted to amend the constitution to make it 60% instead of 50%. Now that would have been on the ballot this November 7th. Um, however, we were being very successful in the coalition to gather signatures to put the reproductive rights amendment on the ballot this November. So what the state house did is um, just months after getting rid of August elections, they actually created a special August 8th election for us um, and I mean, honestly, a lot of people agreed with getting rid of August elections. We have historically low voter right. turnout in Ohio. They cost about $20 million of tax, taxpayer money right. to support an election. Um, but they brought one back just for this issue. Um, and it was absolutely tied to the momentum we had on getting this reproductive rights ballot initiative on, on in November. So they made a play to change the rules and i will tell you ohio voters came out oh. in numbers like we were not at all expecting 38 percent voter turnout for an august election with just one issue on it it was uh, amazing the droves and and uh, your percentages do i have that right it was 58 to 48 something like that in terms of you know yes. re rejecting yes. rejecting yes. the idea to move uh, to yes. go to 60 percent said, yeah. no, we want one person, one vote, right? We want all of our votes to be counted equally and yeah. a simple majority to be enough to pass a citizen-led ballot initiative. So, so Jen, I mean, you're the, you know, you're the program director for Ohio. Give us, um, I'm watching my time here, but I, I'm enjoying talking to you. So don't just, it's the way the radio works. Um, yeah. Give us, give us the secret sauce here. Okay. I mean, to the extent that you could share the ingredients, all right. But what was the secret sauce that got you, that got the, you know, 38% out, that got such an over, overwhelming response? Yeah. I mean, I think anytime we have a threat to democracy, it's going to motivate people, right? We had a very strong coalition with over 240 grassroots organizations working together daily. We were talking about who was having media interviews, who was knocking what doors, who was calling, you know, what part of Ohio voters and things like that. So the coalition really did this together. Red, white, and blue was a piece of that coalition. Yep. The other thing for us with our membership is that the Dobbs decision from 2022 <laughs> really activated and motivated suburban women to get off their butt and do something. Yeah. Yeah. So well, they're thinking, of, they're thinking about their daughters. That's what they're thinking. You know, they're thinking 100%. about, you know, you know, if I don't, I mean, even their four-year-old daughter, I mean, they're just like, yeah. you know, yeah. if, if we don't, if we don't act right now, my daughter is not going to have options that she may need to have. Yes, exactly. And so for red, wine, and blue, for us, the August 8th election was just a step in this process of enshrining reproductive rights in our Ohio constitution. So we started 
our first training met, uh, March 10th, where we trained people on how to collect signatures for that petition, we were talking about the potential for a special election. And then once, once that was officially on the calendar, all of the conversations we were having with people to sign the petition, step one, sign the petition, step two, vote no in August, and step three, vote yes in November. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the messaging, you know, yeah. So, yeah, so it was all that messaging. We had over 1,100 volunteers in our network who were out there collecting signatures, having these conversations every day with people across the state. And really, August 8th was just a step in in you know protecting reproductive rights. Did you get did you get any polling to to determine the percentage of historically Republican voters, republic historically Repu- women Republican voters? who crossed over and decided, uh, you know, this is one, this is a a bridge too far, even for me. Do you have any data about that? Um, I don't have numbers, but we know that the fact that issue one failed at 57, 58% means that Republicans also voted no, right? (laughs) In the state of Ohio, uh, we're a very red state right now. And so we had Republican men and women who said, this is a step too far. This is you know, an attack on democracy. And I can't stand for that. Good job. I mean, so Ellie Krug gives you triple, double gold stars as an organization. Now yeah. bring us up to date though, because something happened yesterday and, and yeah. you're mobilizing like just today. I mean, I've got this idea about RWB being this like turn on a dime, you know, this is not like an aircraft carrier that, you know, it <laughs> takes forever. I got yeah. the idea that you got people who know what they're doing, but they're passionate, you know? So what happened yesterday and what's going on today? Yeah, so the ballot board met yesterday in Ohio to finalize the language for any um, issues that'll be on the ballot on November 7th. So our reproductive rights amendment, um, they were finalizing that wording for voters and they approved language that is really it's misleading for voters. So this is the language that if you have heard nothing about an issue when you're in the ballot booth, this is what you're reading okay, to say tell, yes or no. Give it to us. Um, it's, um, it replaces the word fetus with unborn child, for example, right? Okay. And we know that fetus is the medically accurate term to use when we're talking about um, abortion and any type of reproductive rights. It completely leaves out the fact that our amendment has protections for fertility treatments, miscarriage management, and contraception as well. So those are important talking points that when we were talking to individuals about signing the petition, we said this isn't just about abortion. This is about protecting your right to contraceptive, your right to make fertility discussion decisions, you know, fertility treatment decisions, how to manage a miscarriage. So they've left all of that out. And the somewhat comical piece is their wording is actually longer than the actual amended amendment itself. So the coalition <laughs> proposed that we just put the full amendment in front of voters so that they can read it themselves and then vote on it. Um, this new language, it's just, it's not a truthful representation of the amendment okay. that over 700,000 people signed. Is that... So, so in November, with the you know reproductive rights amendment, is it is there a weak you know limit on on that? Or I mean, here in Minnesota, it's kind of like, hey, you got the right to control your body, boom. 
Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, up, is there is there a week limit? So currently in Ohio, we immediately after Dobbs, we're one of the states where we had a six week ban put in place immediately. Okay. Back, uh, last year, there's it that that six week ban is currently tied up in the courts, okay. and there's a stay. So um, abortion is legal in Ohio until about 2021 weeks yep. currently. However, our Supreme Court is going to be hearing arguments about that six week ban. And so it could come back into place, you know, kind of at any point between now and November. Right. But the amendment, so what you're gonna ask uh, voters yeah. to, to vote on, does is there a week limit in so that? It does not call out a number of weeks. It talks about fetal viability as determined by a physician. Okay. Yep. And it does include protections for, you know, it says abortion is legal up until the point of fetal viability. After that point, um, you know, in the case where the pregnant mother's life is at risk, then it can also be an exception. I assume it's also got exceptions for rape or incest. Um, It does not specifically call out rape and incest. It really puts the decision making in the hands of a pregnant woman and her physician. Okay. So what you're doing today is you're starting to get the machinery going to yeah. say, hold on a second, the election board, um, which of course is controlled um, by Republicans, that yes. that they've come up with this cockamamie, that's my phrase, okay? Yes. Uh, <laughs> language. You can quote that though, right? <laughs> I love it, yeah. You know, language to, as a way to, you know, feed on ignorance because that's really what it is you know and so now you know now you're going to have to go out all over again and and educate people about and is there any appeal from this language uh that's going to be on the the ballot the coalition is working on what options we have as far as um appealing that language so there's a chance it might not be what actually shows up on the ballot on November 7th, but it's still TBD there. Yeah. So our team is in rapid response mode. We're actually pulling together training for our Ohioans that'll be Monday night to talk about misinformation around the amendment and what this language says compared to what's actually in the amendment. Well, with all that you have going on, I'm really grateful that you would come on the show. So. So, Happy to be here. So, Jen, one of the things that I always ask uh, the folks that come on for the big interview is what made them an idealist? And, yeah. um, and you know, first, can you let us know if you think you're an idealist? And I define it as somebody working to, you know, positively change the world. And, yeah. and if you think you are an idealist, what happened in your life to, to get you there? Yeah. Um, so, yes, I think I'm an idealist with your definition there. Um, it's part of what motivates me every day to get up and do this work, just to feel like I'm doing good for the world. Um, and my story, I'm actually new to politics. I'm new to this whole space. I, I had a 20 year corporate career. Um, I was an engineer out of college and kind of grew in a corporate setting for 20 years. I would say in 2022, I, you know, had it all, was living the dream. I had this big corporate job. I was traveling the world, doing all the things. But in reality, um, my husband and I both kind of living in that world. We had a seven-year-old at the time. We were like hanging on by a thread, right? And I think a lot of working parents can feel that way and it gets it can be overwhelming. So 
in the spring of 2022, I kind of said, this isn't filling my cup. Like I'm doing all these things, but like, I don't feel that like personal intrinsic, like warmth coming from what I'm doing. So I walked away from that career with no real plan in mind, which for me is just like, so out of comfort. <laughs> right. An engineer, of course, everything's going to yeah. be linear. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Very stereotypical <laughs> engineer. Um, so it was a scary time to walk away from that and not know what I was doing next, but I really did some self-reflecting. And then that summer when the Dobbs decision happened, I was just, I was angry. I was <laughs> frustrated. I yeah. was, you know, all the emotions. And I said, Hey, like, this is the thing. This is what's like firing me up. So like, I got to find a way to do something about this in my world, in the state of Ohio, with a seven-year-old daughter, I can't just sit back and let this happen around me. So found my way to red wine and blue and the rest is history. Well, that is, but so first of all, thanks for sharing and thanks for the vulnerability about that story. But it's not a given that somebody who's an engineer can become a program director for a <laughs> grassroots organization. Okay. Now the linear stuff, I, I, I'm sure that you've got all kinds of flow charts and I'm sure yeah. that you've got lists on top of lists. All right. But it's not necessarily yeah. a given. And I, I really appreciate you sharing that story. And I'll tell you why. As my listeners have heard, we're a society of storytellers and story yeah. listeners. I, I, I am positive I'm not telling you something you don't already know. I'm positive, you know, Red Wine and Blue's work includes a lot of storytelling, okay? Because, oh, yeah. you know, we don't remember the stuff that's on the PowerPoint, all right? That's mm -hmm. like, ah, okay? But when somebody comes and shares a story, and yours is a story about courage, I mean, I, I just want to, and I'm not pandering to you, I just want to compliment you. I mean, I think that you had great guts because yeah. for every Jen Perez... And you know this. There are like 35 women who are like, I can't, no, I can't take that chance. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And then they suffer. All right. You know, and so, so good for you to be brave, but you're also modeling. I mean, I, I'm sure your daughter has noticed what mommy's done. Yes. 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 It's been, it's been a great experience to have her be old enough to see what's going on and this big change that I'm making in my life. And, She's very involved in asking questions about government and laws and who gets to make these rules. And, you know, she would help me sort petitions when we were collecting signatures and she made her own little petition that her and her friends signed. And so <laughs> it's been so fun to like have her at this age while I'm right. going through this, this transition in my life. Well, think about the modeling, think yeah. about the imprinting. You know, I mean, before you came on, and you may have heard this as I was introducing you, I'm, you know, remember the first segment is about featured idealists. Yeah. And today's featured idealist is David Hogg, yeah, you know? Great and I mean, David Hogg just came out two weeks ago with a pack, yeah. <laughs> you know, for Gen Z. Can I mean, David Hogg is 23 years old, right. <laughs> okay? Right. You know, and so, so even though your daughter is, you know, under 10, um, that doesn't mean a whole lot because, you know, if she's got the right role model, I'm not, sorry, I'm not trying to tell you how to parent, okay? <laughs> but I'm the parent of two daughters. And, but yeah. if she's got the right role model and the reinforcement, way to go, you know? Yeah. So where do you, where do you think you go next? You're going to stick oh. with red wine and blue? Great question. You know, we've got 
we've got a lot going on until November. 2024 is also going to be a big year for Ohio. We need to reelect Sherrod Brown. Um, yeah. And we need to focus down ballot on judicial races and other things. So, you know, it's a good home for me right now. Uh, and I'm really, I would say through this transition, embracing that whatever I decide to do doesn't need to be for the next 20 years of my life. And, and that's okay, you know, but right now it feels good to be doing what I'm doing. So I'm happy here. Oh gosh. I just love it. I really do. Well, thank you for being on LA 2.0 radio. I know that my listeners are just loving you. Okay. And I just, I'm really, I also want to say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for what you're doing. You and your colleagues are doing. It is so incredibly important. We got to push back. We absolutely have to push back against the oppression. And the only way to do that is through, you know, organizing, getting out the vote, doing the vote. Okay. And then not letting, you know, victories, make us complacent. So thank you yes. for all of the great work that you're doing. Oh, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Okay, everyone, that's Jen Perez from Red Wine and Blue out of Ohio. She's their program director. Um, go check on their website, Red Wine and Blue. You're going to be able to find all that you can. Check out, see if there's that Facebook page for Minnesota, um, Red Wine and Blue aficionados. And uh, when we come back, I'll do my C block where I'm going to talk about my work as an idealist. Thanks a lot. We'll be back in a sec. And we're back. LA 2.0 Radio. Uh, Jen Perez. Oh, what a great interview. What a wonderful, wonderful interview. And for her to tell us that story about, you know, midlife career change after 20 years. I mean, trust me, I am positive she's not making anywhere close to what she was making as an engineer, but she was willing to change course. You know, and... Of course, there's a lot of bravery with that and, and, and a lot of vision. Um, how many of you right now, hearing my voice, want to change course, but you're afraid to do it? You know, and I understand that. I mean, gosh, I mean, you're looking at somebody who changed course here, or at least hearing my voice. Um, not that I'm anybody great, but you know what? It all comes down to when you're on the deathbed, do you want to look back and regret that you hadn't been braver. It's really what it does. So, okay, all right. Red, wine, and blue. Check them out. Support them. Write them a check. Boom, boom. Keep keep track of what's going on in Ohio. All right, C Block. I talk about my work. Uh, so I got a number of different things here. One is my newsletter, The Ripple. Now, you've heard me talk about the you know Ripple in the past. Um, I just, let's see, I just passed year eight of The Ripple because we started in 2016, and so I'm now into the beginning of year eight uh, with the Ripple. And when I started that newsletter, I think we had 260 people. Uh, the newsletter went out on uh, Tuesday. I had taken off, I, I, had done a news, I had done the Ripple in June. I always take July off just to give me a little bit of a breather. And so when it went out on Tuesday for the August edition, 
I had 9,261 people on the mailing list for it. And this, people, you know, not to be self-serving, but people love this newsletter because it's about, the whole thing is about reminding people that humans are good to each other, that we are compassionate, that we that we try. And, and you know, in this month's uh, Ripple, one of the, one of the idealists I highlight is a is a priest named uh, Charles um, Sobel. Okay, Ellie, let's make sure you got the name right. Who's a, who had recently died in Nashville? Who had single handedly created a network to house uh, people experiencing homeless in the Nashville area. So, uh, if you w- want to see what the ripple is like, go to elliekrug.com, drop down, you'll see the you'll see the menu bar and you'll see newsletters. If you want to sign up on that page, there's a way to sign up. I'd love to have you on my newsletter list. Okay. That's that. Let's talk about um, back to school. Okay? So, you know, you know I'm on the Eastern Carver County School Board. Um, I I I'm on all the algorithms around schools and school boards and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, I get a lot of feed and, um, a couple of things about back to school. So, um, first of all, uh, well, first of all, on a safety note, watch out for the kids, will you? Okay. School buses, kids at school stops, just do me a favor, please drive slower, be more attentive. Don't look at the darn phone. Okay. Because it just takes one fill failed look and tragedy can strike. So there's my public safety announcement from, from AM 950. But also two things about back to school. One is, um, you know, we've got this parental rights thing heating up. I think Jen Perez mentioned it just very briefly in passing, you know, so parental rights kind of goes dormant uh, during the summer because for the most part, schools are not in session. School boards are meeting less frequently. I'm anticipating, all right, across the country, but also here locally in the Twin Cities Metro, you know, we're out here in, you know, the exurbs of Carver County. Um, I'm anticipating that um, the parental rights movement is going to gear up again and we're going to have more book challenges. We're going to have more issues about protecting LGBTQ plus kids, about protecting children of color. You know, why do we have to give them special treatment kind of thing? You know, so um, just be tuned. Okay. If you hear, by the way, something parental rights local that you think I should know about, because you know that this is incredibly, incredibly important to me, um, reach out to me at Ellie Krug, you know, Ellie J. Krug at Gmail. Um, or just go to elliekrug.com. You'll be able to find uh, the email. So, all right. Second thing, though, about back to school. You know how I feel about Florida. I mean, we just got through the first round of presidential debates. I mean, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis. (sighs) At any rate, you know what he's done down in Florida. He's made these culture issues the centerpiece of his attempt to become the president, if not the king of the United States. And, uh, and so in Florida right now, okay, they passed the legislation in the spring. And in Florida right now, the Department of Education is now passing regulations in response to the don't say gay and some anti-transgender legislation. The Department of Florida, Department of Education, come out with its rules this week. Here's the rules. 
If you're a trans student or non-binary, tough luck. You've got to use the bathroom that aligns with your uh, gender assigned at birth. Tough luck. Okay, now we can imagine the degree of bullying. We're going to put a trans girl, okay, who looks like a, tra a girl. We're going to force her to use the boys' restroom in Florida. I mean, how incredibly stupid is that? But, but it doesn't stop there. The Florida Department of Education rules are also about educators. If you're trans or non-binary um, in Florida schools, as an educator, and I'm going to assume it's also about administrators, but maybe only educators because it's about licensing, um, guess what? You've got to use the restroom in Florida that, is, that aligns with the gender assigned to you in birth. So let's assume Ellie Krug, you know me, I'm, go and I train and I speak. So I like, you know, I'm not an educator, but I like trying to educate people and stimulate them. Let's just assume by a fluke, I'd been working in Florida, you know, transition genders back in 2009. Okay. Um, if you've ever seen me or tune in to AM 950 on Facebook and you can see me, even though this voice, as we all know how I feel about the voice. Okay. Even though it's masculine, I really do look like a chick. Today I've got a nice V-neck on with a dress and, you know, not looking too bad. I got a little makeup on. You know what? Do you... And I like men. So I, maybe, yeah, I'll be in the restroom with your husband. You know, hey, hey, how are you? Good to see you there. How you doing? Ooh, look at you. <laughs> I mean, how incredibly stupid. You know, I mean... Can you imagine the complaints that would come about Ellie Krug being in the men's restroom with us? Can you imagine the complaints? But yet this is what people with an agenda, an agenda that is against transgender people, this is what, this is what comes of that. And it's all about erasing us. It's all about if, you know, if I you know, and forced to use the men's restroom, that means I'm not going to want to go teach. I'm not going to want to put myself through that. Oh, by the way, I'm just going to live in the house and not come out public. I mean, the next thing is going to be public. Well, they already have the rules in Florida about, about uh, if you're in a public restroom and somebody sees you and asks you and you're trying to ask you to leave, if you don't leave, you're going to get arrested. Okay. All right. Don't get me going. All right. I need to go. I need to give a big thanks to, you've already heard me adore my producer, Brett Johnson, who just continues to do great things. Thank you, Mr. Brett. To you, my listeners, thank you for tuning in every week or whenever it is you tune in. I really appreciate that. I hope you enjoy what you hear. I hope that you've enjoyed this show. Uh, next week is uh, Labor Day weekend. I can't believe I said that. So it's going to be it's going to be a reprise of a prior show for Labor Day because uh, the station won't be open. But OK, to you between now and when you hear my voice next, do me a favor. Go out and try and make the world better. Be brave, like Jen Perez. You can go and do that. Ellie Krug, over and out.